0: We are one month away from being done with drafting. And I think one of the things we need to do as a collective for the people that have been drafting these teams for months is to just get back to the basics. So today, myself and Eric Bimefor are going to talk about how to do that. We are somehow in the final stretch of this um, extra, extra long best ball journey that we started in February.
1: It's crazy. I remember when we first started this show, we were like, look, the you know it's off season or the off season is coming. We need to get a year round football show going just to get in that groove." And now, like, I can remember those first shows that we did. And now, yeah, we're 30 days away from from the season starting. And uh, actually I'm excited about this particular show because um, you kind of outlined it We're we're getting close. And I feel like for anybody, both sides of the spectrum, people that have been doing this, like us talking about this for months and months and months, and people that are just now getting into it, you have this weird dichotomy where we might be like overthinking some things, galaxy braining some things like we've been doing it for so long. And then the new Mm -hmm. people are coming in and like, What are you guys talking about, you know, uniqueness and undrafted tight ends and correlation and week 17 and all this different stuff. And so I think it's kind of a good level set for literally everybody um, that's in that's in the best ball space right now.
0: Yeah, so I got this idea because you've been doing the draft IQ shows, which I think are phenomenal. I was actually just re-listening to one from last week about your week 17 stacks and One of the, we talked about it. One of the things that brought this up is the discord discussions that we have. And the other thing is you were talking about week 17 and I think week 17 for us, particularly people that have been doing this, even if you've only been doing this for two months, drafting teams, week 17 is just such a, it's just such a thing now. Like it's just, it's so ingrained in you that you're not even thinking about it. It's second nature. But to your point, the people that are coming in now have no idea. Like, if I brought this up to my casual, I've had two casual friends ask me about help for their upcoming regular season drafts. And they're not people that are, like, dumb when it comes to fantasy stuff. But, like, if I brought up Week 17 to them right now, it would absolutely, like, blow their mind probably, right? Because, like, why are you even thinking that far ahead? Um, but... It goes back to the DFS days. Go back seven, eight years ago, right? Stacking. Do you remember when stacking as a concept <laughs> came out? It's it's second nature to almost anybody now. But there were people that fought back against stacking. They were like, I don't want to stack a wide receiver with a quarterback. You're wanting me to put so much risk into both of those, into the same spot, essentially. And I'm not comfortable doing that. People didn't want to stack because of that reason. So I think... Leveling ourselves and just pulling back, not abandoning the stuff that we're doing that's more advanced, but actually leveling ourselves for this final push and just remembering our fundamentals is going to help us as a collective uh, advance deeper in these tournaments.
1: I I definitely agree, and I and for anybody that is actually new, and I'm bringing this up because I had I actually had a couple people. Um, messaged me or replied today with like, hey, I'm just diving in now. Do you have any kind of a uh, getting up to speed type thing? And that's why this show was so perfect was because I'm like, I'm going back through, you know, hey, I'm, I'm looking through YouTube, looking through the website, whatever, and going back through my mental log. And you're like, there's a bunch of stuff, but there's not like, like, and like, yes, we have like a, a very, very original kind of honestly outdated, like, Best ball one hundred and one type stuff, but we haven't done that kind of refresher course, and it's really important because right now is very different. Everything that you just outlined is extremely true. So this week seventeen thing, right, kind of became a meme, and that's kind of why it has it has it has blown up. But for anybody that doesn't know, right, you play in contests on Underdog and DraftKings and and FFPC. Um, if you play in a best ball tournament, week seventeen is the final week of your contest. And so you fight all year, right? We're drafting teams right now to get to that week 17. And you want to try to optimize for that because that is where all the money is made. If you go to, the, to, to spikeweek.com, you'll see a bunch of articles and stuff on, on that within the strategy section where it talks about um, just how much of the money is made in there. The $5 Millimaker is my favorite one to reference, right? So there's a total $3.5 million in the prize pool in the Millimaker on DraftKings. Yep. If you make the final round, you're in the top 0.01% of players in that entire contest. 0.01%. You make $250. Like, I mean, turning $5 into $250 is nice, but when the when when there's somebody else that's making a million and other people making hundreds of thousands and thousands of dollars, it it looks pretty minuscule um in comparison. And so this week seventeen thing came about where a lot of people, not just us, um kind of collectively analyzed this space over the course of the last couple of years and said, kind of treated it like DFS in DFS. We are stacking and we are correlating and trying to create scenarios in which we have to get less things right in order to catapult ourselves past our opponents in that week 17. And so we're correlating from within games of week 17, right? Uh, uh Some of the big ones that play this year, bills, Bengals, right? So if you draft Stefan Diggs, you might be more apt to draft T Higgins or Tyler Boyd because in the scenario in which we We saw this last year, right? Jamar Chase blows up. It actually wasn't Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey, but it was Daryl Williams, oddly enough, on the other side that had a big game. The the most notable one we saw was Rashad Penny and Amon Ross St. Brown in a game that maybe people didn't necessarily expect to blow up, but it it did, and those two guys kind of just kept going, (laughs) literally just those two guys, just kept scoring touchdowns um, back and forth, and so that's kind of something that has, like you said, become just a norm. We just... You know, we it's we'll talk more about it in a little while. Maybe I think we need to have a little bit of a refresher because I think some people maybe hopped in and just heard people talking about week 17, even some smart people, honestly, and aren't necessarily um, thinking of it in maybe the, the perfect light. But it's something for maybe newer people that you're like you know what the what do you mean week 17 i'm taking my you know uh the, the famous i took zach Ertz, so now i'm gonna take tyler algier like what <laughs> like, like like that like that does i don't like tyler algier that doesn't make any sense and so i think it's a good thing for us to kind of uh level set and we'll get into a lot of the the different uh kind of steps that get us week 17 is a little bit further down the list but we'll get through all of them
0: yeah and that's an important thing. We were on to that at the end of last year. I remember there was a lot of talk about Cardinals Cowboys and we oh, yeah. just didn't expand upon it enough at that point. But that's part of the growing process of learning and a new in, like a new a new game where we're trying to solve it a little bit more. And I brought up this analogy last night before we dive into this. I was talking to Silas and I think we need to remember who we're playing against sometimes, especially in August. You had a draft today. Somebody took Tom Brady one on one, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah. And and we find it funny, but we got to remember that there are people diving into this. So we have to we have to allow them to make mistakes without mocking. Like it's it's funny to us, but we need that player pool to keep expanding so that we can keep playing this game and it keeps getting bigger, right? But we also need to know how to exploit that advantage that we have over them while they're learning. And I brought up this example last night. I'm always going to go back to poker because, to me, they're not exact correlations, but they're both games of skill, and you're playing against other opponents. So there's GTO bros, game theory optimal bros and poker that are like, you got to do this, this, and this, and then he'll go, well, I played it this way because the only thing that this guy could have absolutely had in this spot was queen ten of diamonds, and there's no way that he could have had this hand. And it's like, well... You're playing it from the perspective that that guy's playing like you are. That guy is playing his second poker tournament ever. He got dealt three eight of hearts. His daughter was born on March 8th, and (laughs) he wanted to play that hand for his daughter. So you have to remember that there are players like that, and they're going to learn. And that guy, as he plays more poker tournaments, will probably start folding 3-8 a little bit more. (laughs) This guy that drafted Tom Brady today will probably not draft Tom Brady overall number one if he continues to play best ball (laughs) tournaments. So we need to to make sure that we are adjusting for these players that are coming in in August because this was not a big thing the last three months. So that's another – like that's – it's just very simple. You you adjust to you don't need to be the one that that actually goes nuts and reaches five rounds past ADP. Now, I'm still reaching a round or two here or there because of, there's some um, advanced like situations where I want to get a little bit unique with some. I want two guys from the eighth round and I want to make sure I have that build. Yep. But I don't need to go round 13 and round seven is the point. So
1: um, and and I was just going to piggyback on because your, your poker kind of analogy was very good and i i don't come from i mean i played poker we've talked about this before mm-hmm. um fairly seriously mostly in high school and like super early college and then i kind of got out when when honestly it got bigger like i was still around in the moneymaker era but I, I didn't stick around quite as long as most people did right. um like in our in our space but I, you know i come from dfs i mean i still work i still i still part of my job is still doing DFS content and such um, for Roto grinders. And so like, that's where I come from, from DFS. And it's funny because uh, all those exact examples are also completely spot on, right? It's all these games of skill that are peer to peer and theoretically solvable from an opt right. GTO from there are GTO ways to play things theoretically. Mm -hmm. If, right? If, if you know what everybody else is doing, et cetera, et cetera. The problem is these are all peer to peer games. And especially in best ball, this is like the early days of poker. This is like the early days of, of DFS where, like you said, not everyone even believe things that we might even talk about today. There might be things that people are like, uh, what do you mean? I don't agree with that. That's not, that's not something that we should care about and because we know we're still so early, right? That, that there are things that, just the market hasn't even figured out. Yeah. I mean, there's still tons of people that push back on the week 17 thing. I actually think that's mostly because they don't understand it as opposed to they don't agree with it, but there's still people that push back on lots of things, you know, different roster constructions and all of that. When to draft people argue about when we're going to argue about when to draft again next year, it's going to happen every single year. And so there's all these different things that we just haven't figured out yet. And so from the DFS space, like where I come from, I, I, um, I still work with, but used to do a podcast with Jordan Cooper, blender, HD, on on twitter he also works for roto grinders and he he comes from poker and he talked about it a lot where you know we would we would actually debate because i play a lot more of the smaller field higher stakes dfs tournaments um that's where i've made my that's where i've kind of made my career and he would always be like i don't get it you're going and you're playing against the best players and he's like i go to where exactly like what you said The guy's playing three eight of hearts because, you know, this he he doesn't know what he's doing. I want to play against the fish. I want to even if I have to play the large field stuff or whatever, I want to play against the most amount of casuals and the most fish as possible. And on on the flip side, I did kind of like what you said, where I'm like, I think I figured out kind of how to play this game, generally speaking. Now I want to go to where I can predict, I think, what my opponents are going to do and then play against less of them. Right. 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 And so we're, we're not really in that space yet in best ball. So we are just in these huge field tournaments where, as you said, sometimes we do really start to get in this bubble where we're kind of galaxy braining things and getting a little bit too, a little bit too crazy. And it, this this again this show not to keep kind of saying the same thing is like almost like a good thing like i'm excited to talk about it because it will bring me back because i start to you you do when you do this year round or we've been doing it for six months or whatever you start to be like well i could do this you know i've drafted a thousand teams do i really want to draft another fucking javante williams and gabriel davis team like you know then you start doing crazy stuff and so um I just think it's important to kind of, like you said, realize where we're at in this space, the things that we can do to to gain an edge, and then start to bolt on some of these more advanced things, but do them all kind of in a smart way in conjunction.
0: Right. And to kick this off, the, the topic that started this entire debate is in our, you can go back to our discord. We were talking about it in the underdog strategy space, I believe last Friday, we were talking about bad offenses. Basically, it was the way that this yep. started. And this is where like this whole show idea hit me in the head. It's like people are defending getting completely overweight on really bad offenses that we know are going to just not produce like elite levels of fantasy production over the course of the year. And they will fight you to the death because they're going to this higher level of thinking And they're like, well, but if this, 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 and this happens, it's like, we could have predicted who the bad teams were last year for the most part, right? We knew who was going to be bad. And if all we had to do was fade those offenses for the most part. Now, when I say fade, I'm not saying take 0%, but I'm saying we don't want to be overweight on these teams. We don't want to like crush them in every single draft. You don't want to super stack the bears every two drafts, right? Like (laughs) you... You want to be very selective on when you take those players and why you're taking them. To your point, but in a in a vacuum, you just if you just fade those bottom five uh, the bottom five offenses that we're predicting are going to be terrible. You're probably going to have better teams than most people without even getting into the other stuff that we cover the week seventeen and all that stuff. So, for me, that was one of the most eye opening things is how how we will fight to the death just because we want to say, you know. Well, I have to take Traylon Burks because he's playing the Cowboys in Week 17, and I need to make sure I'm 87 percent to the field on him. And it's like, (laughs) it's like the Tennessee Titans are going to suck. Burks might be good throughout his career. He's going to struggle this year because that offense is going to struggle. It's just, it's just an absolute almost at this point. What situation do you see the Titans or the Bears? just absolutely vaulting themselves into a top 20 offense this year. And if they are, it's going to be that bottom end of the top 20, right? Yeah. Whereas and... like we we look at Cincinnati, Buffalo, Kansas City, worst case scenario for them is probably bottom of the top 10, like they round out the top 14, something like that. So, I want to take my shots. Again, we're I'm oversimplifying. I want to take my shots on good offenses it's not that hard of a concept right
1: exactly and that's where um it's 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 a, a per- actually a perfect segue into kind of what i put as you know like this first this first bullet when you start your whole like best ball process and i think actually what happens is most people skip this step and so this is the most important part of all of this people will skip to maybe even roster construction or skip to the stacks or skip to the week 17 or whatever. And they don't start with this conversation that we're we're having here, which is really what you're outlining is a projection and rankings process. Right. Now it's different for everyone. We have to get that out of the way first, right? There are gonna be people that disagree with uh, what you just said about the Titans. You and I have for months now, since probably the first show that we did here on Tuesday nights, disagreed about the New York teams, right? Uh, lots of people still disagree with me on Trey Lance. That's okay. The, the point is you need to have this first, this first rung is the most important one. And I actually think people skip it the most. So I actually did. I did not do this before. This year I went and I did my own projections, Mm -hmm. because I've always created my own rankings. I mean, obviously for the last couple of years, specifically for spike week, but um, I've always created my own rankings, but I I didn't like do the projection process. And I don't mean that everyone should do this projection process, like go in and get really nitty gritty and make sure you pinpoint exactly how many fantasy points that guy's going to score. That's actually not the point at all. But the point is to kind of what you just said and not even just good offenses, but going through the process of understanding each team And kind of, you're going to get your own opinion. Again, people might have a different opinion on the Titans thing, but going through the process of projecting the Titans, right? You're like, oh shit, A.J. Brown's gone. Julio Jones has gone. Traylon Burks is a rookie. Robert Woods is a veteran off an ACL. And then it's Nick Westbrook-Akine and, you know, Austin Hooper. Derrick Henry's getting older. You start to do all this and then you start kind of playing around with the projections, right? You create this general baseline, which again, mine's very, very simple. Like, I didn't actually want to get super in, in depth. Like, shout out to Mike Leone and Ben Gretch, who have a great podcast series on Establish the Run, Establish the Edge, um, going through the projections where they get down into a little more nitty gritty. I don't think anyone needs to do that. It could be super basic, but the whole point is to dive into these teams and see exactly like what you're talking about. Like, when I look at the bills, I just see dollar signs, <laughs> like right. on everybody, because right. when you go through that projection process, people are like, oh, Gabe's too, Gabe Davis is too expensive because of this, that, or the other thing. And I'm like, look, when I go through and put a projection together for the Bills, there's like no scenario in which, for me personally, Gabe Davis fails me. Is he going to be a massive hit in the fourth, fifth round? I don't know. But all the Bills is just like go through a scenario, even like when Diggs gets hurt, Gabe is a smash. Diggs doesn't get hurt, uh, and Gabe plays all the snaps, he's a smash. Maybe even Gabe loses some, right? You just go through these scenarios, and you project out these teams, that's when you get into this, you can get an idea of how you feel about those players. There's a lot of players when I went through that process actually that I didn't necessarily like that I like now, or vice versa. I thought going in, you're like, yep, I really like that guy. You know, um, I've gone and 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 then there's players I've gone back and forth on. Cam Akers is probably the most notable one. I came into the year, like, yes, uh, the market's gonna be really down on Cam Akers. He's gonna get his workhorse role back, you know, now he's gonna be healthy. And then like as this offseason has gone on i keep docking more more and more km acres with daryl henderson but the whole point is i need that baseline and i need to go through that process of kind of evaluating all the different scenarios and all the ins and outs of each team and then i come then then i get to exactly like what you just said here's my perception of the titans and i agree with you by the way on on the titans i'm like pretty much out on the titans i take a little bit of burks but like honestly that's that's like really it. I think some Dontrell Hilliard right. So that, that tells you about what I think about the, the Titans. I'm a little more on the bears specifically on one site, but again, it's, I've developed this baseline, those projections then obviously feed in and you create your rankings and your rankings are not just like, I would always pick this guy over this guy. It's kind of this nuanced process uh, with tiers and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't start there, like you have to have an understanding of how all the teams work, how all the players come together, you know, and then it feeds into, to some, some rankings. And so when we get to some of these other things, again, like the week 17 thing, it's a big thing that maybe just triggers me, but people will be like, Oh, you're just drafting for week 17. I'm like, no, I have this baseline of, I don't take a guy. I don't, I actually don't take Tyler Algier. I draft a shit ton of Kyler Murray. I don't take Tyler Algier because he never reaches a spot within my rankings where the week 17 thing starts to come into play. And so it all starts with this conversation, right? About the Titans, about the players, about the scenarios. And um, sometimes I think that gets missed.
0: Yeah. And, And just to go, just to expand upon your point just a little bit, when we start looking at teams like the Bills and the Chiefs, Now, we know that probably three to four of these players are going to be heavily fantasy relevant throughout the year. We look at the Titans. Maybe they're lucky to get one or two. And I'm just going to bring this back to poker one more time. When we're getting our chips in pre-flop, because that's what we're doing in these tournaments, we are getting our chips in pre-flop because we can't make any corrections post-flop on these tournaments. If we're getting Chiefs, we're getting Bills, we're getting... We're betting on these offenses, these bangles. We're getting it in with ace-king, ace-queen, ace-jack, you know, like aces. And that doesn't mean that that hand's always going to win. But we are giving ourselves the best opportunity to win, right? So, yes, even if you're not stacking the Chiefs, I want to one-off the Chiefs here on almost every single draft. The Broncos, I want a one-off on almost every single draft. They happen to play each other week 17. And you brought this point up, like you had a lot of, Chiefs-Broncos correlation before we even knew the schedule. Because we knew that we wanted Broncos, we wanted Chiefs, right? So, yeah, we want to put ourselves in the best opportunity to win. And, yes sometimes that 3-8 is going to win. But (laughs) a lot of times our aces or our kings are going to just absolutely demolish those. And we're just starting with an edge. We want to start with our edge and then expand upon from there. So I think that's what we're doing with these Offenses that we consider elite to upper tier and making sure we have one on most of those. Now it's harder to do with some teams, right? We, we have some issues taking guys that we want on the Rams and chargers, for instance, their, their draft capital is so high, but we can still backdoor some of them here and there. You have to really make an effort for those teams to get those players. Cup is a top four pick now. Um, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. If you ever wanted to get both of those guys on a team, you have to really be strategic about it. You have to take one of them in the second round. You can't get both of them if that was something you were interested in. I haven't done it personally, but just we have to – I still want chargers is the point, right? So, like, when I can get chargers, I'm still grabbing them on one-offs even if I don't have a ram. Week 17 isn't the be-all, end-all. It's something we want to absolutely be looking at but we do want to make sure that to your point, Algier, he's not dropping to a point that you want him. So that correlation isn't as important to you with that particular player. Yeah. So,
1: and, those- we'll, and we'll get to that. We'll get to, 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 to the week 17 thing and how that, and how that, that plays in, but that's an important factor. The only other thing on that, because I do think the projection and the rankings thing is like really, really, really important. And I wanted to hit, I yeah. didn't want to, I didn't want it to sound like, Oh, okay. You do your projections and you just say, uh, I'm throwing out I'm throwing I'm throwing out the bad teams and I know you you are a little bit more adamant on on like really getting super over invested in the good teams and I am generally too but we mm. also have this point which will end up feeding into your projections and rankings right people will say yeah but I think this player is really good right so like DeAndre Swift last year honestly yep. like mo- multiple multiple lions last year uh, this player is really good but he's on a bad team Right. We had the Texans this year, Brandon cooks. Um, Mm -hmm. We we talked forever about this in discord today, actually with like Darnell Mooney and those kinds of players, Swift, right. Cooks, Mooney, Deontay Johnson, the Steelers look kind of like a mess and Najee goes in the first round, you know, Deontay, et cetera. And that's also part of that initial process because player talent obviously does matter. And if a player is that good and they can elevate, right. If they can elevate that offense, That does happen. Now, you do have to have a certain, right, as we saw with, like, the Jaguars last year and the freaking Giants, you have to have a requisite level of competence. Even, you know, when Saquon was out there, he wasn't exactly, like, lighting it up because, you know, there just isn't enough around him on, or wasn't enough. (laughs) Now I'm foreshadowing my Giants exposure, saying there isn't enough, Uh, there wasn't. Enough around. Please God, hope that there is enough around him this year. Otherwise, I'm going to be holding a lot of bags with the Giants. But the point being, right? I do think there are certain instances where, given my projection and the talent of someone like a, I, I do like Darnell Mooney in the right instances, in the right tournaments, at the right ADP, those kinds of things. I do like him. I draft him. Mm-hmm. Um, because, but it's because of when you go through that scenario thing. I could not possibly agree more. I think there's absolutely no, – I don't think there is a scenario where the, the Bears are like a, a top 10 offense. I, I I'm not even sure top 15. But if Justin Fields does take a step, he is really good, and Darnell Mooney is this – I mean, who the fuck else is going to catch the ball there? Like maybe him, Cole Komet, they can be reasonable, right? In that instance, then we start to have some of these other factors where – Week 17, you know, roster construction, which we're going to get into those different things where stacking right where those those guys start to come come into play. But generally speaking, it all comes back to that projection and that ranking. And in this crazy best ball game, like you said, you're getting it in good on those good offenses. Look at the Bucks last year. I mean we all collectively screwed that one up pretty much last year with the bucks but mm-hmm. when you got on a good offense it helps that Brady doesn't run and never throws a freaking incompletion everybody ate right. everybody ate on everybody. on every, everybody on the bills ate everybody on the bucks ate uh the 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 chiefs even byron pringle's dropping 30 balls in the in the fantasy playoffs. You know, McColl's having a random good game here and there. Dar- we just talked about Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams is what like the third highest scoring running back on, in the championship round. Like when you're just on that offense, but that feeds into that projection and, and that ranking. And so you're doing this balancing act. Where does Darnell Mooney go in relation to wide receivers? You'll probably find a pocket where, okay, his projection, his talent, all of that falls in after, but you have to go through that. You don't start with like, I like Mooney or I don't like Mooney or I like Juju or I don't like you. And I think honestly, most people start there. Most people start and they just say, I like this player. Oh, Juju's on the chiefs. Now I like him as opposed to like, you need to go through this whole process of where does everybody fit together? And then you can start to get to some of the other stuff. Yeah. I mean,
0: Mooney, I love as a player. I was big on Mooney last year. I would love for Justin Fields to, Absolutely go rocket ships. I've cooled way off on the team because I think the team is personally, I just, they are, They're doing some stuff on purpose, it feels like, to just make this a not good year for the team. You see Roquan Smith requesting a trade. Um, kind of the writing on the wall there for me. Like, So I like Darnell Mooney as a player. I will one-off him here and there. I'm not looking to actively take a bunch of bears, as, we, as we've noted. I take Kemet here and there, because even bad offenses are going to score touchdowns here and there. It's just mm-hmm. what are their actual opportunities, and that goes to yep. your projection point.
1: So. Then, um, so so the, the next one which i think after you get through that that whole process the projection ranking thing is really just like how do i feel about this entire nfl season yeah right and and that doesn't mean just like what do i think is going to happen it's like what are, what's the range of outcomes on everything that's really what it is is you're identifying kind of probabilities and ranges of outcomes for every team every player through various situations obviously you can't capitalize on everything but once you kind of get that baseline now you're like okay let's get how do i construct the t- how the hell do i construct a best ball team right mm-hmm. and a lot of people have very different um very different ideas on 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 this from your your zero rb bros to your robust rb bros to whatever but generally then that's the thing where like all right i got my idea of how i how i want to attack this season based on my rankings and my projections and then what how am i going to put that in together into a into an 18 round draft right
0: um, let's go into the roster construction thing. Cause I do think this is an interesting topic. I think there is some real basics on this, but I think this is going to be something that's ever evolving as we go cool. on through the the next few years. We've seen it. The example I always bring up is quarterback. We have pushed quarterbacks up the board after going like, no, you don't ever have to draft a quarterback. And now we're like, well, you probably want a quarterback by the fifth or sixth round at this point, just <laughs> on your roster. So, um, I I think that this is a fascinating one. Where do you start with this when you're in your
1: process? It's a great, it's a great question. It's probably the it's roster construction and people call it structure Mm. is really, is really like the, the, actually the simplest thing once, like when you finish a draft, you're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. That's that structure makes sense. But when, when you're like, how do I start like thinking about putting together the teams it's it's a little bit fluid. I, I generally, and we as an industry have generally framed it kind of around the running back position, and and I, I think that that's actually probably right. Every structure, every strategy is is something RB, right? But I think that that's right because running backs are both. The most useless and the most valuable fantasy commodity that there is, which is kind of a weird thing to say. Right. But mm-hmm. they are what they are generally what is going to win or lose your 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 league because they bust at such a high rate and they get hurt at such a high rate, which I guess is one in the same. But they're they're so heavily dependent upon situation and volume, and even the most talented players cannot kind of outshine their situation. Going back to your your kind of like like maybe David Montgomery is really good. I, I'm not saying that he is, but maybe I mean he's he's not bad. Like he he's an NFL caliber running back, but mm-hmm. like he can't overcome a truly horrible situation, right? And so everything comes back to the running backs that they get hurt a lot. They bust a lot, but then you also have every year almost a couple of guys that you know have what our, our friend Pat Crane would would call a legendary season, right? He he framed it around 25 PPR points per game, but just call it, you know, the Jonathan Taylor didn't quite get there last year, but you know, a little bit better than a JT season. The old yep. Ladanian Tomlinsons, the old Le'Veon Bells, Christian McCaffrey, obviously, um, right. two years ago. The other counter to that is that because the running backs get hurt and all that so much and bust so much and there's so much variance at the position that later running backs also can be more valuable as we saw last year was a beautiful example like if you just drafted I'm kind of mad I didn't um, if you just drafted 100% zero RB teams last year, you would have smashed in my in my opinion. I know Jonathan mm-hmm. Taylor you like maybe thought you would regret not having Jonathan Taylor but the way the season played out with fournette and James Connor, Daryl Henderson, Sony Michelle, James Robinson, I, I mean, I'm, I'm missing guys, I'm sure, but just countless guys that were just smashes. Daryl Williams um, later in in drafts, particularly in the playoffs, that Devin Singletary, that you could just absolutely crush your your drafts approaching it that way. But uh, it's dogs. Dogs. We started talking about uh, zero RB, and the dogs got excited. Uh, (laughs) But the running back position is so pivotal. Pivotal because how the season plays out with running backs is like you might have you might be buried without Derrick Henry, Mm -hmm. right? It's 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 Derrick Henry runs for two thousand yards and twenty five touchdowns, and like he could be the guy you need to have, or you could have last year where you have the the playoff weeks was singletary and rashad penny and daryl williams and james connor and these guys are the guys damian, harris, yeah. damian harris you know it's yeah. all eight round eighth round and later running backs so everything kind of starts there with roster construction with the running backs because they're really what swing the season obviously you the upside of the wide receivers is kind of what wins it for you and puts you over the top but the the crazy pendulum swings of the running back position is kind of where we all start so that's how i kind of tend to think about structure first
0: So I'm going to bring up one more poker analogy. I think I I promised not to bring any more up, but we have people. People are scared to not draft running backs early, right? It is. uh, It is like still as much as we've talked about this throughout the last few years, people are terrified to not have at least an anchor running back. It just, it blows their mind. And in poker, we have people that are terrified when they have, eight to 10 big blinds to get it in with queen jack suited in position now that's a little bit you know for our people that don't play poker it's not a great hand but where you are when you don't have a lot of chips left to put in the middle you want to you want to max out the amount of return you're getting on your chips so they will let themselves blind out and i think when you get so scared with the running back situation that you have to draft one in the first two to three rounds. Sometimes you are blinding yourself out because you're just trying to middle everything. And like when you middle tournaments or you middle most things, you're going to get that exact result. You are going to middle that tournament. Yeah, you might, you might not finish last in your 12, man, but guess what? You finished six. And guess what six is? The same as 12 at this point, right? So we need to be building constructions that are going to win us tournaments and when you try to middle every position you can still build some good teams here and there where you draft two running backs and three wide receivers and a quarterback and still but you have to be very careful about how you build that particular team when you're doing it you have to be locked into what you're doing to do that type of stuff whereas like you're saying you figure out these constructions you figure out your zero rb team we drafted, um, we drafted a zero RB team last night, me and Silas, and as we were drafting it, we we hammered wide receiver. I think we had seven wide receivers in the first 10 rounds, maybe, and towards the end of the draft, he was like, let's take this wide receiver, and I was like, what is it – to your famous point, what does James White do for this team – In my head, I'm like, what does this wide receiver? We have seven elite wide receivers. And unless it's a wide receiver with like extreme upside, I'm fine with going to battle with those seven wide receivers because we punted that running back spot. I'd rather take a Zamir White towards the end or a Dearness Johnson or Isaiah Pacheco, as much as it hurts for me to say that last name that way. (laughs) Um In the Northeast, it is Pacheco, and it will always be Pacheco.
1: Um, I've heard people say it that way, and I didn't know that that was a Northeast thing, but I've heard it. So now, but now it makes sense.
0: Yeah, so it's it's knowing your structure, knowing your team. We love wide receivers like that. Is to I mean, I think I'm wearing my wide receiver shirt right now, right? (laughs) Two zero fourteen two. But knowing what you have in your wide receiver talent, like when you draft seven elite wide receivers, what does grabbing A.J. Green in the 17th round do for your team. There's no upside there. There's no upside for A.J. Green, right? So you punted running back. Let's get one of the guys. Let's get Chris Evans. Yeah, he's backing up Joe Mixon, who we can debate Joe Mixon as a player all day if we wanted to. But if Mixon goes down, we know Evans is going to have a healthy amount of that workload. He's not going to get 100%. But he's way more valuable at that point than A.J. Green's ever going to be this season. Right? So, like... Yep. You need to know this when you're approaching. Now, if you decide to go robust RB or something like that, then A.J. Green might make sense for your team. You need 8 to 10 points on a weekly basis. Jarvis Landry fits that build a lot. I'm only grabbing Jarvis Landry when I'm sort of doing like elite running backs early in the draft because I'm like, he's at least a safety net that I can get 8 to 11 points on a weekly basis. I know he's never going to pop off a 40 for me. So, yeah, yep. your structure is absolutely important. And I think that goes – RB is obviously the most important to base your team around just on how you're going to build. And then we all, we all love wide receivers, but the quarterback talk has become very, very interesting as well yeah. where they're going. I, I'm not comfortable if I don't get a quarterback in the fifth or sixth round in general and drafts at this point possibly that's a leak but (laughs) um it's it's just the way that these guys are falling you look at that fifth sixth round it is this particular year this wasn't the case last year but you have your um you have mahomes you have lamar you have kyler you have jalen hurts so these are the guys that i want these are like huge upside guys and then even Tom Brady's going eighth round in general now. So
1: and Dak and, and Russ, Dak. there's there's a really nice tier of guys there that um, right. It's interesting. I agree with you. Yeah.
0: So you need to know how you're going to attack that spot, and you can't plan this before you go into the draft. You have to see how the first round to two to three falls to you before you start making these decisions. But they need to be in the back of your head, like
1: for sure. A hundred percent. Um, And so I was just pulling this up because we do have a series on the website that kind of walks through what I would call the four main structures. And like, obviously as you see here, they all end in RB, but it's that way because based on how, um, you know, you start your draft at the running back position, you, you are then loading up somewhere else, or you're loading up at, at running back, or as you said, you're kind of middling it and, it's, it's not to say you can't middle it I actually pulled up superhero running back on purpose because um, I talk I literally talked about middling in, in here. I think um, on each one of these, there's kind of the perks, you know, upside cases, risks, et cetera, are, are in here. And uh, uh, that's it is the, the superhero RB is sort of trying to middle these extreme mm-hmm. strategies. And that is true. And that 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 is part of the problem with it that's not to say that you can't you can't do it because you know sometimes block up those two running backs and it's like a little bit of um a robust start without being a robust start which can be okay hold on this is yep. driving me nuts
0: yeah and so while we're talking about this we'll get back into the superhero rb thing but there are pockets of the draft that we look at for these type of things and right now that ninth to tenth round for the rb pocket I absolutely love that pocket. So, like, it makes my life a lot easier to go 0RB when I know I can get a Chase Edmonds, a Ramondre, a Damian Harris. Oh, by the way, some of these guys are the reasons that the 0RB teams got through last year. Chase Edmonds, Damian Harris. And we can – and I build teams. Devin Singletary. We're talking about getting players on great offenses. Devin Singletary is getting overlooked as the probable lead back in that offense. Josh Allen takes a little bit away from him, but still we saw what he's capable of doing with, with a heavier workload. So yeah, knowing your structure and knowing how you want to attack as you do these drafts, you start Jamar Chase, you start AJ Brown, however you start that. I and mean, then you're going to go zero RB. It's like, well, now I know the ninth, 10th round, I'm going to hammer RB because they are, absolutely smash bots for that position in my opinion
1: a hundred percent and so um sorry the dogs didn't want me to talk about running backs because i was about to talk about running backs and uh <laughs> they just lost their lost their shit my wife went for a walk
0: mm-hmm. which is
1: always is always a dangerous we we went for two two nice long walks today the weather has finally cooled off is in the 70s for like the first time ever today and uh so i'm like we're going I for two it. long walks i'm gonna tire, i'm gonna tire these assholes out and it's like I, apparently it just re-energize them they've been saving up all their energy um uh, but it's so, a hundred hundred hair with it's been a hundred crazy. for yeah It's same. it's been awful for uh, i mean i can't even remember the last time i like enjoyed being outside so it was really nice today so uh maybe that's why i'm in a good mood well it was <laughs> the, uh, dogs are pissing me off but So the running back thing, just to kind of tie tie a bow on there, because I do really want to talk about what, what, what happens with, um, it's basically everything but wide receiver is like this linchpin of your lineup and how you treat those positions. But also what the, how I would phrase kind of at a macro level, the general roster construction thing is like, if I draft a bunch of something early, I don't really want to draft a ton of them in overall quantity. Right. Right. To your point last night, you were, you guys were smashing wide receivers either. They were the best picks at that point in time. The room was giving it to you again. We'll get to some of these other subjects, hopefully here in shortly, but Mm -hmm. you get to, you get to the point where up. I just, that's just what happened. I got the elite quarterback was the guy for me in the fifth round. I took six wide receivers around him. Now I got an elite type. Maybe I took Kyle Pitts too, and you just build this team out. Well, now that you have those seven wide receivers, we, we can get into the late round thing. We don't really need to discuss it, but I don't need to keep take. I don't need to take nine or 10 basically right. is the, is the real point of the wide receiver thing. The The inverse is also true with what you saw with the running back thing. If I start with two, if I start running back, running back, I probably don't need seven. <laughs> I right. probably don't need seven running backs. I may not need six. I mean, cause I, cause you know, I can only play three. It's another important thing to understand kind of your scoring. I can only play three of those guys. So if I take two early, I'm kind of, I kind of am counting on those guys being good. Now, so maybe you take five, maybe you take four. Like, you know, I'm sticking there. If you really want to take six, it happens. Okay, whatever. But if I'm loading, you know, and then if I'm loading up, right, you see over here in the the team structures within our draft IQ tool, this is the big board actually, because we'll get to the week 17 thing. I'm going to use it as an example. But like I have eight of my 40-something teams are robust running back. That is a painfully high percentage. But, um, you know, so I you take those... Robust teams. I take three of them in the first five rounds. I'm not taking five or six. I'm definitely only taking probably four for me at the running back position. But again, it's that thing. If I take early, I'm taking a high quality at that position. And thus I don't need a high quantity of that position. If I have the quality that goes for all positions, which leads into your point running back, I think is where it has the most domino effect across your entire lineup where that's why we talk about all these strategies based around running back because you know how it's such that polarizing position like we talked about earlier that how you treat the running back position informs your lineup a little bit more at the other positions but that is also true again you see here we have like elite tight end elite quarterback those things also inform your lineup it's like sometimes you might seek that out which, as you talked about with the quarterback thing, the market has gotten so smart around quarterbacks that I do seek it out a little, a little bit more. Um, this is in the big board. I'm gonna flip over to best ball media. I was just I looking
0: would've... at that Keyshawn Vaughn exposure. I was like, what are we looking at here? Yes, yes, let's <laughs> let's look over,
1: let's look at best ball media. But you see the difference. So, like elite yeah. quarterback. Like I've I've 60% of my teams in BBM have an elite right. quarterback, which goes to your point that from a roster construction perspective, I I think you can draft late round quarterback. As you (laughs) say, I have two, two late round quarterback (laughs) teams, but, um, I think you can, but I think generally speaking, especially when you draft the way that I do, which is a little bit lighter, you see 33% (laughs) zero RB and 28% hero RB. The most of my teams are a little bit light, early running back, heavy, early wide receiver, also heavy elite tight end that I'm trying to create, um, a, a strength. In my team, I'm I'm actually trying to create multiple strengths and then probably one weakness in which I'm going, right? So I get myself the good quarterback. I get myself the good tight end. For me, I probably have a bunch of good wide receivers. And now I'm just going to be like, we're going to throw the kitchen sink at this running back position, right? Other people will do that at other positions. You can do it at tight end. I literally wrote an article yesterday about doing this specifically at tight end, like taking three super late tight ends. You can do it at wide receiver, um, et cetera. And so the whole thing is like your lineup, fits together but the general thesis is like okay when i have a great quarterback probably only need two of them I have a great tight end probably only need two of them which allows me then to do oh i need more wide receivers because my first one came in the fifth round or the sixth round it's like i probably need nine or ten of them on this team because of that right same thing goes for running back you did you guys didn't take your first running back till the ninth round might want seven I might need seven on, on that team. And so that's how the structure all comes together in my opinion. And I just
0: looked at my elite QB uh, percentage on the spike IQ, Tool and I am at ninety percent for elite QB, <laughs> which makes amazing. sense though because I'm at forty percent. I'm just looking at BBM. I'm at like forty percent on Patrick Mahomes because I just think the value is too good on that spot. And like for me, that's a whole different discussion that we don't have to have on this show. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think I think dealing within your structure. But to to go a little more into this, like to kind of go into this, but also switching topics slightly is. You have to have your idea, but you have to do, you have to let your opponents beat themselves sometimes, right? So I drafted a team the other night where I had Mahomes on my team. And I also drafted, let's say it was Aaron Rodgers. I was doing a Green Bay stack or something. And as I'm watching my opponents let people fall, they let Tua fall, I think 28 picks past ADP. And I had Waddle or Tyreek on the team. And I'm looking at this team, and I'm like, there's no one else I really like in this range. Everything else is set up well. And would I normally add a third QB for a Patrick Mahomes team? Not typically. But here's a spot that I can get a guy and just absolutely get a third game stack for Week 17 or whatever, or even just a team stack, right? I can just get that Miami team stack with Waddle and Tua be different from the field and it's that's a little more advanced but the easy part of it is i'm taking what my opponents are giving me i am letting my opponents in theory beat themselves you don't have to you can adjust your strategy as you go now you don't want to adjust every single pick but you can you can expand upon what you're doing and just like take these outliers and if you're building properly you're going to have a luxury pick at one point and why can't you take that luxury pick in the 15th or 16th round on on occasion right so that's it the speaks, kind of the stuff that i'm looking at
1: it speaks exactly to kind of the next bullet point about like the player pool and the draft environment which we don't need to get into as much detail as we got on the first two but mm. that that's that's exactly what it is like a lot of people are actually commenting in the chat like about about draft kings picks yep. not 20 picks on, on DraftKings, kings 100 percent that especially your example makes more sense on on DraftKings. You get two extra picks. That's a lot of extra picks, right? Just, like like people people do that too. Um, not to get on a side tangent, but people will do that. Uh, that thing where the it's just the 18th round pick, or or oh, it's 20 rounds, so I can do this. Like I don't think people take into consideration how big of a difference 20 rounds is, and I also think on the flip side, people don't take into consideration how few um 18 is. And yeah. how much you need to go right in in only 18 rounds, and people just throw they're just like, yeah, just an 18th round pick. I'm like, yeah, I don't think you understand the impact that that 18th round pick can have. But that's part of the player pool and the drafting environment. We don't need to get into the whole DraftKings thing. Um, that is a very different beast, uh, just from uh, your your competition. But you've kind of spoken to that quite a bit too about understanding right that you are going to get fallers sometimes, crazy, cra- crazy fallers on on DraftKings that happen. Um, but they're also gonna happen on underdog, right? You said we're we're 30 we're 30 days out from the season starting. Um, understanding the draft environment that we're in now, if you're like a more seasoned player that have been drafting for quite a while, like you might get some opportunities that you haven't had um as more casual people roll in. We all been beaten up on each on each other for five yeah. months, you know, drafting in the same rooms where nobody fall, you know, nobody besides the running backs that we all hate have fallen past ADP. That may not be the case anymore. Um, For the next for the next month. But, you know, if you are just getting started, or even if you're not, I I think that understanding of the player pool, right, you outlined it perfect, the perfect use case for understanding all the pockets of the draft where players go where you like players, where maybe some will get the stacking next where some stacks set up later, right? Mahomes is your highest owned quarterback. Part of that is because you think he's undervalued. Also, part of it is because all of his receivers go after him. The entire him. team is undervalued. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the whole team goes after him. And so, knowing that aspect of the player pool makes Patrick Mahomes more valuable because I can, I drafted him. I can get MBS. I can get Sky. I can get Hardman. I can get, you know, I, I don't even know what him and Juju's ADP it was. They're you know, him and Juju, side by side right now. Him and Juju are close. Sad. Yeah. Um, or I, or I can take Kelsey in the first round and set up Mahomes, right. I can take him with a running back. I can take him with whatever, right. You, mm-hmm. you, you can take him, get crazy. I know you're a galaxy braining and this is a basic show, you know, Noah Gray in the last round, right. But there's a myriad of options that you have with Patrick Mahomes, but that's because you understand the player pool, right. Right. You don't just go in and you say, I like Patrick Mahomes. You're like, well, I kind of get a get a gist for okay, you figured out the elite quarterback thing that you really like elite elite quarterbacks, you think that's an advantage. Okay, then you figure out the Chiefs. Chiefs are undervalued. Then you figure out, you know, the different pockets of the draft where hmm, also those Chiefs wide receivers fall into these pockets where I fucking hate everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like yeah. well, now I'll just take Mahomes and set up my Chiefs stacks. But you have to understand that. And then of course, again, like what you know, the environment that you're drafting in, which is just to to put a bow on that, and we can move on to the stacking thing people don't, people have been treating this particular best ball season, best ball in general, but this particular best ball season kind of as its status quo in fantasy football. Like I see tons of studies and I'm not trying to, 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 you know, shit on anybody or anything like that, but like looking at like in 2016, you know, this happened or, or whatever. And I'm like, you, I, I don't even, I don't even think it's helpful to look at that because, a, the best ball tournaments are so different that we're in right now. I mean, DraftKings has a, a tournament with a, almost a million entrants. A million. Like yep. 900,000 entrants are going to be in that DraftKings Millimaker. We've never even experienced anything like this. Best Ball Mania has half a million people in it. And the market is so drastically different this year, even than last year. And mm-hmm. so. You can't really look that closely back at, at history. You can take some nuggets for sure from right. from history and stuff, but I wouldn't go back and say, "Oh, remember we got so and so in the sixth round three years ago?" It's like, yeah, that dude's probably a third round pick now. You know, I mean, like Jamar Chase, rookie wide receivers, even as good as Jamar Chase would have went in the sixth years ago or whatever, and we were lucky to get him in the fourth fifth last year because of the stupid drops thing. That shit's over. You're not. Right. That, it doesn't right. happen anymore. So understanding the environment that we're in right now is like extremely, extremely important. And just to go on the player pool thing,
0: as people that have done, you know, I'm at over 300 drafts. I'm sure you're close to it or more than me. And a lot of people in this are done a lot of drafts. Try to go back and remember what that player pool looked like to you. Your first 10 drafts, say your first 15 drafts. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And you don't know what you like. Now we can all draft in our sleep. We talked about this in February, the year before, like we got so comfortable, could be to a fault that we know where guys are going. We know the entire pool. I could throw a name at Eric right now and I guarantee you he could pick what round they're going in. And if it's not, it's within a round or two, right? Like that, just we could do that with all these players all day. And just remember that the people that are coming in in August to play, they're going to be experiencing that for the first time. They're going to be like, I know Jamar Chase was good, but why is he the fifth overall? That's scary. I want to take Austin Eckler or I want to take <laughs> Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. So that's why you might get that player at the six um, because people have to start with their comfort level before they start expanding upon this stuff. So as you're, if you are a new player that's listening to this, I've seen a few in the chat, which I'm, I'm happy this video is helping quite a bit. Yeah. Um, just do let yourself be comfortable we'll talk about this with draft but understand that these players are at these adps for a reason and you should be particularly in the beginning rounds be looking to get players in those spots that are your jamar chase in the fifth. there's a clear top five this year if you're new there is a clear top five and then there is a drop off Mm -hmm. it's just the way it is so you want to try to make sure you get one of those guys in the top five picks and there
1: is a yeah, right before we move on to the, the stacking, there is an article on on the side. I won't pull it up right now. That is called "Drafting within the 2022 Draft Environment." Um, that I would recommend reading if you're if you're new. Um, it's free. Mm-hmm. It's not behind the paywall. Um, that kind of walks through that. It talks about the top five. It talks about the court, qu- the quarterback thing we talked about. How how efficiently priced the quarterbacks are, and how much of an advantage elite quarterbacks are. Just kind of talks about all that stuff that can help you get up to speed with the draft environment. So stacking, sure. stacking, yes. I,
0: I can't imagine drafting a team without stacking. There's basically one guy in the entire draft that, like, if I don't stack them, I'm okay with, and that's Lamar. But yeah. other other than that, and, it's, and even then at that point, I'm usually stabbing at Duvernay or Prochet or whoever in the 18th round just to have mm-hmm. it. It is vital to stack your team, and it's vital – If And it really is quarterback dependent for me, particularly on how I stack them, where a guy like Kyler, I'm doing a lot more skinny stacks, which to those that are new is just stacking him with one guy. But a guy like Tom Brady, I want two to three of his pass catchers, like minimum. I I mean, I do not want to go there with a I don't want to leave the draft with a Tom Brady skinny stack of just him and, you know, Chris Godwin. It just it doesn't make sense for him to be. If Tom Brady is going to win you stuff, it is going to be supporting three to four different players. Just yeah, plain and simple. So he's, understanding, he, he's that, definitely
1: it's... a he's definitely a really specific case too. Where like, uh, I mean, again, we talked about earlier. He did it last year. He supported like <laughs> everyone, literally everyone. Uh, Evans, Evans, Gronk, Godwin, A. B. Fournette. You know, he supported yep. everyone.
0: Right. And, and to that point, though, like there's guys like Joe Burrow who went real late last year. But if you had double stacked Joe Burrow with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, which looking back was very, very easy to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In week 16 last year, T. Higgins went off, I yeah, believe he,
1: he had he had 40 or so last year.
0: And then in week 17, Jamar Chase went nuclear. So if you had been double stacking Joe Burrow, it was a guy that when I take Burrow, I want a double stack of. It's tough to do with the two specific players I just named because you have to take them first, second round. And Burrow is, you know, a higher pick than I'd like to spend on him. But I'm still, I want Bengals, right? So when I want Bengals, I want to stack them within the passing game. I know you're not in on mixing. I'm taking some mixing here and there for my Bengals exposure, but this is about stacking. So when I'm playing the passing game, I want, chase with borrow sometimes and then i can take hayden late, right so i can still mm-hmm. get a cheaper piece of that thing but we it is vital vital because you are looking for pure upside in these tournaments and the way to get pure upside is to just it's better to get 10 than four right like 10 is a bigger number than four yeah yeah so, exactly exactly so you're scoring a touchdown yep. Right. So you're just, you are absolutely dominating over other players when you get a stack that scores a touchdown. It's very simple, but that's what we're here to talk about. And you need to be cognizant of this. It doesn't mean you're looking to stack every single wide receiver at all times, but just know what you're looking to do in your drafts and which teams you're going to be looking to stack.
1: Yep. And I think it's from a, again, from kind of a, a macro perspective, people will sometimes talk about stacking maybe even in a different lens than, than in reality it is, it is, it is actually not like riskier. Um, I, I think people view it as like a, 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 riskier strategy, kind of see your thing originally like an old school DFS. They're like, Whoa, I don't, you know, I'll take the quarterback. I don't know who he's going to throw the touchdowns to. Right. I'm not, right. you know, I'm not putting that guy in there, but in reality, what it does is it, it actually, you know, because your floor the, the floor is the floor. I think people misconstrue what a floor what a floor is. Everybody's floor is is their floor. The the you know having Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow doesn't mean Joe Burrow's floor is any lower than it was than, than it right. was before. And Jamar Chase's floor is in the yes, there's a there's a correlated aspect of things, but whether you had Keenan Allen or Jamar Chase on the Joe Burrow team last year, the floor was still the, you know, the same Keenan Allen's floor, Jamar Chase floor, whatever, what it does do is it creates this correlated bet, which you'll, you'll, you'll see the correlation in, in a little bit, creates this correlated bet on this offense, which has multiple um, benefits for these specific ball tournaments, which again, we'll get to the format in a second in the playoff rounds, which become these single week, I got to win against anywhere from six to a thousand other people, right? In the final round of the DraftKings tournament, it's almost a thousand people. The final round of BBM, it's 400 and something people. And then some of the smaller tournaments, right? You can get as small as like six to 10 people, depending upon the tournament that you're in. And last year, Best Ball Mania was 160, 170, something like that in the something final like round. So, you, you know, you you have to beat. Let's call it ten to twelve people in weeks fifteen and week sixteen. We, we were and then, both finalists, by the way. Let's just yes, throw exactly. that out there. We double, double, the double finalists uh, on the show. You have both to, zero uh, RB teams as well. Yes, exactly. Even better. Uh, <laughs> the, the haters love to see it. You even in those weeks fifteen and sixteen, people like think it's like, oh, I just got to beat. 12 other 11 other teams or whatever it's like yeah but you got to beat 11 other teams and like they're they all also won their league (laughs) it's not like you know you're just you're just 12 random teams from these are like some of the best teams in a tournament with half a million people in it so you need you obviously need to get there right and the stacking actually helps with that um i think people misconstrue that too they're like i uh, i just want to advance so i don't want to tie m- too much up in one offense but what you do is when you when you if if the Bengals suck joe burrow is gonna suck whether you had jamar chase or not is not going to help you advance it's definitely not going to help you win win the tournament right if the Bengals are at least decent you're going to be able to get the advantage their spikes are going to be correlated weekly right so when joe burrow throws for 304 Guess who's getting that production? It's only right. a couple of guys. So you have Jamar Chase. You're going to get their spikes in the same in the same weeks, which obviously then create more points scored, allow you to advance um, out of your out of your group. Then you reach the playoffs, and you need those spikes to come together again, like we yeah. saw in Week 17 of last year. Joe Burrow throws for 10 million yards, and Jamar Chase catches every <laughs> mossing dudes on every single play. He scores right. 50. Burrow scores 30 you just got one thing, right. And it allowed you to leapfrog past all these guys. And those ceilings are correlated right at the 0. 0.001. That that was a point, you know, oh oh one percent outcome or whatever for those two guys, but that's what you need. And you, and all you had to do was just pair them together and you got that outcome. So it has a lot of different benefits, both from an entire season helping you advance because it creates those, those big weeks for you that you need, right? You're going to have mediocre weeks no one's saying joe burrow's going to score 40 every single week um even josh allen josh allen's going to have 15 point games but it's when he spikes and he scores 35 well you also have one of the pass catchers they spike too and you know it's a cumulative score over the regular season so it's helping you advance and then in the playoffs you need those guys of course you need them to come together over a course of three weeks which is you know hope to run good but um That's, that's, there's a lot of benefits to stacking and I agree. It's, it's a priority. You also don't, as the last thing I was going to say, you don't have to like, oh, I took Jamar Chase. I got to get Joe Burrow. It's not that either. That's going back to the player pool and the draft environment and roster Mm -hmm. construction. All those different things is I understand that I have Jamar Chase, Would I like to have Joe Burrow maybe, but it goes into where does Joe Burrow fit in my rankings at the very top? Okay. Now how's my roster coming together, right? How's this draft going? What's the player pool look like? And you start to put all that together, and you want to be able to put together stacks no matter what. It doesn't have to be with Jamar Chase. It could be with – we talked about the Chiefs. You end up taking – maybe you have Jamar Chase, but you take um, Patrick Mahomes in the fifth round and figure out your chief stack there thereafter, right? It, it's kind of fluid, and your understanding of those first couple of bullet points will allow you to be really good at creating stacks. But you have – Like you can't just start out again, going back to what we very originally talked about. You have to start at the top here with the projection rankings that get into your roster construction, get into the player pool, and then you'll be able to be good at at creating stacks. You can't just say, oh, I'm stacking, baby. Like somebody told me I got a stack. I got Jamar Chase. I got to do the Bengals. It doesn't work that way.
0: And Just to like just want to hit on one of the points that you brought up a little bit earlier is when you are stacking and you're advancing these teams that stack you're saying like you said you're playing other people that advanced as well so you're going to have some player overlap now let's say that you have we'll go with mvs right so you and me we both advanced to this next round we both have mvs but you stacked them with mahomes and i went with a different stack and now mvs goes off for two touchdowns with 150 yards and mahomes threw for five that week i had a massive ceiling game from mvs but guess what doesn't matter Because you just crushed me with your with your Mahomes stack. Now that's absolute top tier like of like what could happen with the stack, but it's just showing you the advantage you get over the other players by having that particular situation. I I think Liam won Best Ball Mania last year and he didn't have Burrow. If somebody had just made the same team that he made and swapped out Burrow for, you know, swapped out his quarterbacks for Burrow and X quarterback that helped get him there as well. Liam's dust like yep. Dustin, in the sense that he's not winning the million. So like, cause even though he had the same exact team for the most part, just because that guy stacked Jamar chase, he got that team to, you know, to the top of the, of the, of the draft. I mean, of the, uh, I'm losing leaderboard. I am not, leaderboard. There's the word I was looking for leaderboard. leaderboard. Um, so, here's yes. a
1: good, here's, here's a good question to kind of round out the stacking thing, because um, mm-hmm. it is, a really tight needle to thread in terms of stacking, particularly in um, these big tournaments. So the first thing I'll say is that I'm more um interested in kind of what I would call overstacking now we're we're getting into a, a little bit more um advanced type stuff but it's not really that that advanced but mm-hmm. there's also a playbook on the site um specifically relating to DraftKings like single entry and their higher stakes tournaments where I talked about the final round in week 17 it's really small like some of them are like 10 people right you got yep. it's like you you win your 12 person league then you got to beat like eight people then you got to beat 10 people then you have to beat 10 people that yep. is like the Bucs scenario of last year, like I just want all of them <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, the Bucks, or like I'm fine with four chiefs or four bills or whatever. I don't really want four Texans or four bears, but you know what I mean? I'm happy to kind of load up a little bit too much on an offense because I don't have to be perfect in those. Mm-hmm. I never have to beat more than like 10 people so i don't have to be perfect and so this lundars question is like okay if i get digs and and he said miss miss on alan i i misread originally but um piggybacking on this i, I it's contest specific and so like in bbm and that big draft kings millie maker, i am being a little more cognizant of making sure I don't bolt on too many guys from an individual team, because you, you get to a final round with a thousand people of a tournament. That's a lot of people. And as you said, there's going to be a lot of overlap, right? Whoever goes off in weeks 15 and 16 is going to be well represented there. You might have them too. So then you don't want to have, um, you, know, you want to give yourself a lot of, a lot of shots at, so I don't want to have four Bengals, right? I don't, I don't, I don't want to go that far, maybe two, you know, maybe one, you know if it's Lamar or Trey Lance or so or, or Kyler or someone like that, maybe it is just one and hope that they're they're running and that's their guy throughout the throughout the playoffs. And then this other one is I think you can, from a stacking perspective, kind of stack without your quarterback, especially on these really good offenses, and especially with a quarterback that doesn't run like Tom Brady. I actually do this it. So gonna be my point on this. Yeah. Actually, actually do it fairly often. I'm more yeah. than happy to take my Evans Godwin or Godwin you know what used to be Gronk or Gage Julio whatever and and if I don't get Tom Brady I don't get Tom Brady of course you like that but it's totally fine this instance is the same is the same thing the quarterbacks are the most replaceable point part of your stack when JaMar Chase scores 50 nobody else is scoring 50 even right. Joe Burrow only scored only scored 30 points in week 17 last year uh, uh, my team we had we had Dak Prescott. Pete and I had Dak Prescott on our on our final team. He scored like twenty four points, and, and we had uh, Mac Jones who scored like the same. So yeah. like we didn't really lose point. Quarterback didn't lose it for us, even though we only had like the sixth highest scoring quarterback of the week. But the the skill position guys, when the offense spikes, you see Jamar Chase, you see Al Camara two years ago, you see T Higgins in Week sixteen, you see those kinds of games. So I would not be out. On this situation that Lundar is is saying, but you have to be smart about it too, right? I don't really want to take Jamar Chase in the first round and and Joe Mixon and T Higgins and then not get uh, uh, Joe Burrow, right? So it's a it's a like I said, it's a you're threading that needle. But um, I wouldn't be like completely locked into stacks at all times on every situation.
0: Uh, I think I think just for that specific example he brought up, it's a that's a little tougher for me to do because. Allen is the type of quarterback that I do double stack him a lot, but I am fine with a single stack just because of the rushing upside with Mm -hmm. him. So like the most vomit inducing part of getting Gabe and Diggs right, is watching Josh Allen absolutely ball, get him to the goal line three times, run it in. And now you have you have the top offense for the week, but the top offense was just a quarterback. You're mm-hmm. not going to have that problem with a Joe Burrow, uh, Tom Brady, in general. Like like yep. it would be the biggest of outliers of all time, where Josh Allen could do it twice in a year. So, yep, um, I think it's just
1: being cognizant of those facts as well. Definitely, and then kind of moving down. Another thing we have to be cognizant is, and this one's a little bit quicker and easier because we've talked so much about the playoffs already. It's just mm-hmm. the format. Um, I, I I have become a big a big. I didn't draft as much there last year, and my teams were shit. But um, drafters drafters dot uh, is another best ball platform that uh, uh, they're they're great partners for us, and they launched a million dollar tournament. <laughs> this year, which was kind of crazy last year. I think it was like 50 K to first place in their, their biggest tournament. And this year there's a $250,000 first place prize in their tournament. And it is a cumulative scoring. And so what I mean by cumulative scoring is you are going to draft your team in your 12 team league. It's a 20 round draft full PPR. And from that point forward, you compete against everybody in the whole contest. So there's 55,000 entrants. You draft every, we all draft in a 12 team league, that team, from week one to week 17, you got to score the most points, period. That's it. There's no other rules. There's no advancing. There's no playoffs. There's no nothing. It is cumulative scoring from week one to week 17. So week one counts the exact same as week 17, which is hard for zero RB bros like me to wrap my, to wrap my head around sometimes, but... So drastically different strategy. Again, there's – on the site, there's like general strategy for underdog DraftKings and drafters on there and then tournament playbooks for each tournament as well so you can dig into some of the nuances, including in that drafters million. You can get a free ticket on drafters if you use promo code SPIKE. There's also a link in the description. Just deposit $10, which is – it's a pretty cool promo actually. I try not to – like I'm not a big promotional guy. As you can see, I don't say the Voldemort like and subscribe. I don't say that shit. But the but drafters promo, but I should. But the <laughs> drafters, the drafters promo is pretty awesome. I mean, not a lot of places you get a free twenty dollar ticket by just putting in ten bucks. Right, like a, that's a pretty good, pretty good return. And as Kevin says, it's like twenty percent full their tournament right now. So they have thirty days to fill like th- a lot, a lot yeah. of of entries. Um, so I think it's going to overlay. So it is probably the most you know plus EV tournament that is out there. But just to kind of put a bow again on the format thing. You have to take into account that that format. We've talked a lot. We don't need to get into specific strategies for playoff versus cumulative, but like underdog and DraftKings, you just got to make it out of your 12 team league, right? And then keep advancing in weeks 15, 16, and then in 17 is the final round. But so it's very, very, very different. And you need to make sure you're um, drafting differently for that format.
0: Know your tournament structure. If you're playing poker again, are you playing a normal tournament? Are you playing a six max tournament? Are you playing a bounty tournament? You're playing different strategies as you play these types of tournaments, so know what you're playing. And I think the drafters is is awesome from the aspect that you are draft, you're draft, you're trying to draft the best team possible, right? Which isn't necessarily the case in every other one. You're not trying to draft draft the best team by any means. That that whole you get on underdog, it's great. You get to see your projected points doesn't mean shit right like to be perfectly honest it's it's just it doesn't matter that would matter a little bit more on drafters than it does on underdog just based on the structure of the tournament so yeah i think it's very important to and always know
1: that top kind of thing we started this whole night talking about with the projection and the rankings and the roster construction it is a lot more important because you do have to like look you can love zero rb all you want and i do Mm-hmm. Um, I do it as much. I do it as much as anybody. I believe in it as much as anybody. But if if you don't, if you bury your team, you could you could have hit Connor Fournette, Sony, Devin Singletary, whatever last year, and not one on drafters because you just didn't score enough running back points in the first you know few weeks or whatever it was. I, I don't right. know. So I, I didn't like go do the math on those guys. But that's how different the format is, and that's so those those other. Those other levers is like we usually like in DFS, we call them levers, uh, the projection and all that kind of stuff are not necessarily more important, but important in different ways. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, what was next? On correlation.
1: Correlation. Yeah, because I was going to pull up my uh, stacks and stuff as we talk through it.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, correlation goes back to. It goes back to your stacks. It goes back to your Week 17 correlation, your playoff correlation stuff. And this is, again, not so much for drafters as it is for the DraftKings and underdog tournaments where you want to correlate your lineups. Um, I'm, I'm also looking at, this is a little more advanced, but I'm correlating divisions slightly here and there. So I, I, I'm doing a lot of my homes. I'm trying to get some AFC West guys in there I mean, obviously they play Denver week 17. So that's just like a give me, give me, but I want some Raiders here and there a little tougher for me. I'm having, I'm a little, I'm a little gun shy on Raiders based on where they're going here and there. And I'm not drafting Hunter Renfro. Sorry, it's not happening. I know you you got the bag and everything this year, but (laughs) like, buddy, you want to talk about a guy that is just not going to win you a tournament. It's Hunter Renfro. (laughs) Did and he's going the,
1: in. there's a great meme the of uber? all the all the all oh, the yeah. the uber was really funny but there's a meme of all the wide receivers that got the bag this year and it was like <laughs> there's the picture of DK and AJ Brown And they're like lifting it, you know, and I mean, they look like goddamn Avengers. Yeah. And then even Terry McLaurin is like a, you know, a pretty jack dude. And then the other one was the old hunter and pro picture from like college where he looks, it looks like, you know, the Mac Jones, you know, college picture where he just, he looks like he works at a fucking grocery store or whatever. (laughs) Yes. It was so good. So so good. And the personality matches it. If you haven't seen the video
0: of him ordering an Uber for himself, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. Go out of your way to see it because it is mind-boggling. Like that—that that was the
1: situation. That Those happened guys there. in the back seat of that Uber are worth like, like a, <laughs> like a half a billion dollars or whatever, and and they're crammed they're not, in because Renfro got them a fucking Prius or whatever for yeah, a, like a
0: '98 Toyota Corolla, like <laughs> just crammed into the back of it. But yeah, I mean, you want to be correlating your teams. And I'll let Eric get a little more into this because he he will explain it better than me. I know that for sure.
1: Yeah. So we talk. I mean, the biggest thing with correlation is obviously the stacking thing, which we which we talked about. Inter team correlation. Um, then the the, mm-hmm. the next is obviously much more specific to the playoff formats, like underdog and and DraftKings, and that this is a lot of where the the playoff stuff comes in. In in particular, the week seventeen thing, which which we we talked about um, briefly earlier. But the, the first thing about the playoffs and the week 17 thing that I think um, if you've listened to any content or anything like that, that gets sort of misunderstood is you see that we didn't talk about this at the top. We didn't even talk about this near the top. We talked about this like at the end. Yeah, it is important when you get to certain pots of spots of drafts um, and we'll get to the drafting thing just after this, you're going to realize that you're going to reach a tier of players that are like, basically all the same because you've done your projections and you've done your rankings and you understand your roster construction. I need a running back here. I'm in the 12th round. I have this tier of five guys. They're all available to me. Which one do I pick? You don't just take the top guy off the rankings. You start moving down your list of these things that we've talked about here and you get to the week 17 thing. How do I decide who to pick when these guys are all the same? You say, well, I – I'm very, you know, I have, um, a Mahomes team and I don't have any Broncos yet. Right. So, mm. um, I'm trying, I was hoping there would be an example. or I have, tra- I took Travis Kelsey in the first round. Here's the best example you see here. I've tra- I took Travis Kelsey in the first round. I get to the 10th round or whatever, and I need a running back. Cause I started with a zero running back team. Do I take Melvin Gordon or do I take chase Edmonds? Well, in this, on this particular team, you would take Melvin Gordon. Cause you're breaking the tie for the correlation aspect because we know, as we said, week 17 is where all the money is. And yep. so you, if you want to – I actually myself don't really get that much into the week 16. I definitely don't into the week 15, but I know some people do. That can be the next tiebreaker, right? You get to the next one, and I don't even know who Kansas City plays in, in, in week 16. Seattle. Now Kenneth Walker's there. Melvin Gordon's gone. Now it's um, Kenneth Walker or Chase Edmonds. Well, I'm going to take Kenneth Walker. Right, because he correlates in week 16. However, you want to handle your correlation process, it's that one of those rungs down as you move down to kind of be that tiebreaker. And it's because if you were using a projection or a ranking to truly guide all of your decisions, it would be like a boost, basically. Because those players are correlated. If you're creating a projection for them, it's a tiny little boost, right? If Travis, if Travis Kelsey, then Melvin Gordon gets a you know point whatever percent boost to his projection and so i now take him he he moves ahead of those other guys in the tier because they are not correlated to travis kelsey and so that's all that it is i think i think it's been I, i wanted to talk about that really quickly because i think it's been a little bit ruined um by the meme that we've turned the week 17 thing into all it is is kind of uh the fourth or fifth rung in your decision making it does not trump Right. If you have Gabriel Davis, a full tier and a half ahead of somebody or whatever, you don't just take the correlated dude because right, right. correlated. And right. I think
0: people are making this mistake.
1: A hundred percent people are making this mistake. All heavily the time.
0: making this mistake. Um, yeah. So I agree with that. And just to just to expand upon this point, and I think you made this in the show I was listening to earlier, but you're not focused on weeks 15 and 16. But yet, because you're focused on some of these offenses. Look at some of your week 15 and 16 stack exposure. Yeah, Arizona so you're and fine. Denver teams, you're, more teams, you're targeting
1: more Arizona and Denver week 15 stacks than I have any week 17 stacks. And like you said, I, I didn't even if I didn't, I have this tool, so I know that they play, but I, I wouldn't have even known that they played.
0: Right. So you I, I don't know the week 15 matchups, but I guarantee if I went and looked at like my Arizona Denver, it'd be pretty good. Or if I looked at. Tampa Bay, Cincinnati, I'd have a pretty healthy percentage of that. Kansas City is going to be a little tougher because I'm not drafting as many Houston Texans. But, yeah, we start looking at some of these matchups that we would want, and we're just going to have them organically, right? So by we, focusing on our Week 17 teams, we're getting some good Week 15 and Week 16 stacks. Uh, Tampa Bay, Arizona in Week 16, you have 32%. of. I mean, you want that game. Yeah. You want that Denver Rams game, right? And it goes back to having elite offenses. Philly-Dallas. You're going to want that game probably. I'm not drafting as many Dallas players. That's a whole other thing. Um, But I'll want to make sure I have some Dallas bringbacks on Philly and I don't have to go out of my way to do it because I'm already drafting A.J. Brown at a high clip. I'm already drafting Devonta Smith if I don't get A.J. Brown at a high clip. So it's just naturally going to happen when I grab Tony Pollard or you know any of the Dallas guys in general. So Yeah, they're important, but you can fall into it, Um, especially if you're just focusing on one of them. You'll get the other things. You don't have to worry about it too much. Like, just looking through your exposures is fine.
1: Yeah, right, 100%. And um, the only thing this has really taught me, looking through this, is that, honestly, we probably need to get more Denver. I mean, Denver-Arizona in Week 15, Denver-Rams in Week 16, and then Denver-KC in Week 17 – alongside playing in the uh, AFC West and playing against the NFC West in the in the regular season that's absolute ins- that's, that's I mean that's a gold mine they're, they're, all those games are going to have 60 point totals
0: Tampa is the other one I'm looking at when we're looking at this you got Tampa Cincy Tampa Arizona Tampa Carolina and you might not like Carolina but when I like CMC as much as I do and DJ Moore as much as I do Clearly I'm going to want some of those stacks. So I need to be making sure that I, I have been making it a point to grab Tampa players already, but maybe I need to check those exposures and, but that's what these tools are great for. You can see, yep. you can see this stuff. So,
1: yep. um, um, really quick. I'll handle Eric's question. He says, "Will the spike week tool track our points through the season. And also, could I hypothetically get uh, projected ownership of guys based on your drafts? Like Zay Jones has been drafted in X drafts. Um, to answer the the two questions we are working on in-season tools so if you saw i can actually show this really 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 quickly um we have a lineups tab now here in uh in draft iq and so you can see literally all your individual lineups so like i mean if you guys wanted to actually see some you know some of those uh, whatever uh, russell wilson russell wilson lineups like this I is gonna help-
0: be huge for all
1: sites but specifically draftkings yeah for draftkings and so that yeah it's obviously set up for draftkings and drafters you can see um search any any combination of two players and see you can even like go out to the draft board <laughs> you know click on and go go literally and see the full draft board you can see the draft slot what the structure was you know what day you drafted it on oh. um etc. That's that's all in here. And so but this was the first step to answer Eric's question. This was like the first step to getting in-season type stuff because we want to improve that experience. I mean, anybody that has played best ball or if you haven't played best ball, welcome to a miserable in-season experience uh, of trying to sweat your teams. You know, you know your exposures even if you're you're subscribed um, to Spike Week or you have a much better understanding of your your teams understanding like well, you watch the games on Sunday, right? And you're like uh so-and-so scored. Is that good for me? You're like, well, I have 20% of him. I think that's good for me. But once you get to like week seven or eight, like, is he on good teams? I don't know. Like, you don't even know who to root for, right? You don't know what, right. you don't know what to, to root for. And so we're trying to kind of solve that, that, that problem. Right. where
0: We're making it so the FBI doesn't come to your house when you start talking about your best ball
1: teams after week one. Exactly. And then um, but to to the second question, that is not something we can do. The only thing that that, um, anyone can see is your own your your own teams. Um, So uh, just wanted to just wanted to hit that before we uh, start to start to wrap up.
0: Lunder's comment is pretty funny he uh, control F my way through tears of looking at all my individual Tim Patrick teams using that tool. It's going <laughs> to happen to more players, man. That's it's uh, the next two weeks are probably going to be brutal.
1: So uh, this is, this is funny. Shout out to shout out to you. Um uh, guy from I'm getting PayPal specifically for these tools. Guy from guy from Canada. That's funny. That's awesome.
0: And I think you had one more point on the board and it's like the most important one. We kind of hit on it a little earlier, but It's just draft. You just have to draft. So I brought this up earlier in the day. I had two friends reach out to me over the last week. Rob, can you help me get ready for, you know, my, my, my home league. They were asking me to help them get ready for their home league. They're like, where should I go do my mock drafts? And I said, this is legitimately the conversation. I'm like go find $3 tournaments on DraftKings or Underdog or whatever and just draft on there. They're like, well, it's not the same as as a home league. I'm like, it's same enough that you need to just, it's going to give you an idea of what you're going to be coming into, right? Like those first 12 rounds are probably going to play out close to the same. Maybe a little nuanced differences here and there. But in order to get better at anything, you just need to do it. You want to get better at poker? Guess what? You can study all you want online. You can you can watch hours and hours of video until you actually go sit your ass in a tournament and play and put your feet in the fire on that multiple times. Because guess what? You could watch a thousand hours of myself or Eric telling you how to dra- do a basketball team. You could Daniel Negreanu could sit with you for for ten thousand hours and teach you how to play poker until you sit in a tournament and actually experience it. You're, you're going to realize a, you suck and b the only way to get better is to keep doing it. So you need to be drafting. I mean, I think my first best ball experience was I drafted five to 10 teams two or three years ago. And God, I, I wish I could go back and see those teams and see just (laughs) what I drafted at that point. The only one Mm -hmm. that I remember doing anything was the one that I drafted Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert. Like that's, that's what I remember happening. Um, And somehow luck boxing get advancing that team or something like that. But you have to draft. You have to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. Guess what? I still make mistakes, whether it's auto drafting or drafting a player too fast. And as soon as I draft him, I see what would have made a lot more sense based on my team build. And then I just go, you're such an idiot. You need (laughs) to, you need to be better at this. I'm sure you've made mistakes, Eric, like where you've auto drafted or done the same thing. Our, our, Boss Dan yesterday was so excited he got the one-on-one pick, and guess what? He ended up auto-drafting four quarterbacks and burying his team. It (laughs) happens. Like, it just happens. so, like, in order to get better at minimizing those mistakes, you have to draft.
1: It's – I mean – as as crazy as it sounds cuz this is a silly game that we all, you know, obsess over or whatever and draft teams for months and don't get paid out until January of 2023. It's literally just like absolutely anything else, right? Just like you said, just like poker, just like a, a playing a sport, picking up a new hobby or whatever. If you don't do it, you're never going to get good at it. Like you, you could read as many fucking books. You could watch as many streams as you want. It doesn't matter until you get under the gun at, in a, if you're doing fast drafts, you got 30 seconds to pick, yep. you know, and, and we all have lives, right? I draft, like I, I've talked about it plenty of times. I draft walking the dogs, I draft making dinner, I draft doing all that stuff. Um And if I can't make a pick in 10 seconds that does everything we just, right. It's not just like make a pick. It's like I have to take into account every all these other bullets that we talked about here, the projection, roster construction, draft environment, stacking, right? The format I got to correlate for week 17. If I can't do all that under the gun and make really good teams that give me a chance, in my opinion, across my entire portfolio to win a million dollars or two million dollars, then I need more practice, right? Like, I'm not I'm not good enough at it. And so you have to get to the point where you outlined it again earlier. That's like. You could name a player and I know his ADP, you know, I know round he goes in. I, I might know my exposure that I have to him. I might know, you know, whatever I might know where I have him ranked. You have to get to that point and it just takes time. The other thing that I would say just to again, put a bow on this is you'll learn your opinions on all these other bullets up the list by drafting. It just doesn't like the projections and rankings and your opinions on roster construction and all that and the player pool. Don't stop once you like do that analysis at the start of the year. It's an evolving process. Um, Evan Silva, you know, one of the best that to ever do it in the fantasy space, one of the true legends in the space talks about he does his like first set of his 150 rankings and then he sets out and does a bunch of drafts and like tests them like this. I'm, I'm testing these rankings and you'll come back. I guarantee you everyone will. You're like, oh, I put the rankings together. I like this guy over this guy. And then you get into the draft and you're like, "Uh, no, no, I don't like I don't like him over, you know, whatever. Like, for me, it's usually like I'll naturally put the old guy in. I put Jarvis Landry in and I'm like, I can't put Jarvis Landry that low, you know? So I put him in and he's above Garrett Wilson or whatever. And I'm like, I get into the draft and I never fucking take Jarvis Landry over over Garrett Wilson. right. It's time to move him up in my rankings or change, you know, change my strategy or whatever. And so you figure out how to do all these things that we talked about here. And then you also figure out what you like and what you don't like. Cause I promise you, if that's it, if there's anything I've learned from all this is that once you do a bunch of drafts, your takes on a lot of this stuff are all, are all going, going to change. And it's probably going to change in a way that you didn't realize. And like you said, the only way to do that is, is draft and draft a lot. And we're lucky that we have, um, enough uh yeah sorry al got me with this comment this is my life this is like this is my life like five times a week uh especially on DraftKings. but is um now god damn it al i forgot what i was gonna say um but uh, oh we have a lot of good options you said the three dollar there's three dollar tournaments drafters has a two dollar tournament so like there is no you know we all have different bankrolls we all have different you know discretionary funds and everything but dude take $10, $20. 10, 20 dollars. Don't go to Starbucks today. Go draft a couple of of best ball teams as practice. And um, it's accessible for everybody. And so I think that's also really exciting. But that's it's there, there's so many avenues for us to to kind of grow our grow our game. And the easiest one is to just fucking draft.
0: I, I like uh, just a few points. I like what the consigliere says in the chat. He says I'm also first year in best ball and I'm only doing 20 per tourney which I think is great. Like, that's a perfect number. Like, I don't know how many tourneys you're saying, like that could be upwards of, you know, a hundred, hundred plus teams, but even yep. if it's three tournaments, you're drafting 60 players, 60 teams which is a great sample to see like, a, do you like best ball? B, is it something you want to continue to do? And the other thing I want to say is draft until you're comfortable. And then once you feel comfortable, you need to reevaluate. Like, just because you're comfortable doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're good. So, when you draft and you're like that's what I'm doing now. I'm too comfortable in certain pockets and I'm like I need to reevaluate these spots and make sure that I'm not just on autopilot. So, draft until you get comfortable drafting and then just be cognizant of the fact that maybe you should be just tweaking your process here and there.
1: That's that's the other really nice thing about the tools that we built is you can constantly continue you know so you you do have to load you know like you click a button um and it sends your lineups to to draft iq but you can kind of always be assessing that as you said do a bunch of do a bunch of drafts kind of see where your exposures lie see where your stacks and everything settle in and then like you said you probably start to get comfortable uh, this this absolutely has hap- happened to me. I did like a ton of DraftKings drafts and you double back and I felt comfortable just continuing to click this guy's button, click, click, click. And then I come back and I'm like, nah, you know, I did 50 teams and I'm not really sitting where, where I want to be, or I am sitting where I want to be. And I want to continue that, or I want to try something else, right? You're just kind of always, uh, what they, they, they always be closing as the sales thing that you're always, always be learning about, um, Yourself, your portfolio and all that. And um, hopefully our tools can help. But just even even if you're not using them, I think that there's just like uh, a ton of value in kind of continuing to to assess. You're also probably always going to be taking in new information. Right. You're either talking to people about this you're listening to streams, you're reading Roto World or whatever. And there's always new things that that you're learning. So continuing to, you know, build those into your process and tweak and evolve is, uh, yeah, extremely important
0: yeah i mean and for me that's kind of the main basics i've seen some stuff come up in the chat that i didn't really want to hit on it was nothing like no no offense to some of those questions i think they're a little more advanced than what we were going for on this show um so that's why we didn't necessarily ignore them i saw them we can talk about them in the discord for sure but we wanted to make this more of a beginner level also uh look back for people that have been drafting a lot just just to the recenter themselves, almost
1: definitely. Um, and so, I will be back tomorrow. As Rob shouted out, the Draft IQ show is on Wednesdays for the next while, and I am going to be finished tomorrow with my one hundred and fifty in the DraftKings MilliMaker. So, I am going to review my entire portfolio tomorrow in uh, at uh, five PM Eastern. Time So 4 p.m. Central, uh, I'll be reviewing my DraftKings portfolio. I know that, you know, there's not a lot of uh, great insight into people's exposures and portfolios. And, you know, everybody's pretty much just drafting blind unless you have draft IQ. And so I'm going to kind of go over how I approach this tournament, what my exposures look like, maybe things that I'm happy about, maybe things as we talked about that I'm I'm not not so happy how they turned out and kind of talk about how to roll that into some other DraftKings tournaments.
0: I actually love the way you approach the DraftKings tournament where you basically hammered it before. I mean, there was a preseason game, but you're going to be done with it before essentially the real first preseason game. And I thought that was really sharp. And it's kind of something that I wish maybe I had done a little more of for maybe that draft in particular or even another one. The drafters $20 one I am doing the reverse on where yeah. I'm just hammering that one late. I haven't really done much in it. I'm gonna try to get BBM done. I'm gonna. I don't know if I'm gonna max that five dollars DraftKings. Now, I just it's. I'm struggling to draft on that app sometimes. I know. It's just it's brutal, but I I might. I probably will. Who am I
1: kidding? I'm a degenerate. This is this is definitely true. Um, And Eric NBA will be done soon. We're working on it. We're working on it. I promise. But um, yeah. Come, come, join the the show tomorrow. Uh, maybe I'll bring maybe I'll bring Rob in for the draft at uh, at at the end of the week. Thank you guys for joining us. Hopefully, this was helpful. If you have not, um, if you have follow up questions, I, because Rob said we couldn't get to absolutely everything, even though we're pushing an hour and forty five. Um, if you didn't get your questions answered, you have follow-up questions. The spike week discord is 100% free. Go to spikeweek.com, go into the header or go into the link in the description and pop in the discord. There's like over a thousand people in there now talking 24, 24, seven, 365 best ball strategy. Myself, Rob, tons of other people, even smarter than us are in there that can answer your questions. So if anything didn't get, didn't get hit, please hop on in there. Anything else that, uh, you got Rob?
0: That's it for me. But we will be drafting me and Eric at some point in the near future. BBM team because we have to have one of those together yeah. for sure. But yeah, other the than double that,
1: finalists. We got to bring our got to bring our finalist hats together to uh, put one put one uh, on uh, the spike, spike week, spike week show. The shot. Yes, yeah. exactly.
0: Anyways, thanks everybody for joining us on this week's Spike Week football show. We will catch you next Tuesday. Peace.